What's up everybody, it's Sean Bryan here on the Dangerous When Focus podcast and today we're joined by Mr. Stephen Gannon. Okay, Stephen, welcome. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Do you know what, for someone who does this for a living, I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> oh yeah, you're on the other side of yeah, the Yeah, I usually chair. listen. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. Well, I'm here to ask you some questions. Okay. And um, thank you for coming along to have a chat with myself. It's a very exciting new field for me and hopefully for our future listeners and followers. Um, me and you go back quite a while. Mm. And I kind of want to just start a conversation with, do you remember pretty much how we kind of got to know each other? So I was actually, I was telling someone I was coming to do this earlier. And I remember... I think it's something to do with Pygmalion or like an extended group of people around Pygmalion or the workmans. And I also remember being one of the first few people into you when you had the one chair in the first cut and sew location. And okay. you kind of telling me about like your background and what you envisioned and kind of just like, I remember you were really excited, but you're also like, listen, I'm just going to try and see what the crack is. But I remember really vividly going in and it was just a lovely little setup, but it was just like, you know, a mirror, a chair, and like you with your aspirations. And yeah, that must be, shit, well, I'm old now, so no, it's been I, <laughs> over 10 years. How long is that? I think it's about 10 years, but yeah. my memory would have been of you in and around that scenes, their time when I think we were about five years previous. So it's cutting so I was 10 years old. Mm. So I think it would have been about, yeah, 15 years. 15 years ago now, and I remember you, this cool, interesting guy, kind of indie kid. I don't want to insult you in case that's yeah, yeah, not no, the skinny style. Skinny jeans, ridiculous hair. Like. Skinny <laughs> jeans, uh, usually good-looking girl on your arm. And then I was thinking, I don't know what kind of scene I was in, but I was kind of maybe DJing and hanging around the work bands. Mm. And the whole idea, I suppose, of having a chat with people who I find interesting is to kind of see where they're at now and pretty much your journey into who you are now. So I'd like to have met people I invite onto the podcast, get to know them a little bit deeper and kind of find out a little bit about them and mm -hmm. where they're at. So can you tell us a little bit about your profession? Yeah, so <laughs> I have just finished up four years of training as a psychotherapist. So it's split into a two-year higher diploma in counseling and psychotherapy and then a two-year master's in pure psychotherapy. Okay. Um, I suppose... I got drawn into this field through working in music predominantly. And I think I used to look around and feel like even even though music is generally for like, you know, maybe like outcasts or nerds or geeks or people who don't exactly fit in. I felt like I didn't fit in with people who didn't fit in in the sense of like, I loved playing music, but my interests were always a little different. Like I've, I've always like played football or done some kind of sport. Um, and I remember like going into gig environments and being in like green rooms and stuff and just sitting around going, I'm not really that interested in just drinking all day or, you know, and I'm not saying I've been completely innocent, but I mean, in that time when I was kind of starting to think, you know, is there more to life? I suppose I would sound check and then maybe go for like a jog or something or go sit somewhere wow. and like read a book or something ridiculous that was just like me in my own little bubble. Okay. Um, looking back on it now it was probably like crippling social anxiety but uh, at the time i probably framed it as just you know being interested in the things that i was interested in but i always felt like there was a weird disconnect in music because it's such a creative field but we never really took care of our our physical selves and our mental selves 
Um, and at, even at that point, I never had a, like a connection to my spiritual side. Okay. Um, and I know that word means a lot of different things to different people, but I yeah. suppose for me, it's like meditation and getting to know my, my inner world and what that's like. Wow. Um, so I think with what I'm doing now is probably for me trying to be the person that I probably needed to give me advice, say maybe 10, 15 years ago and looking around and especially with like men and emotions, we, yeah. we very much struggle. Maybe we each have one person that we can kind of be more real with, but I think generally, um, especially in Ireland, we really do struggle to, to open up together and to support each other and to get over that initial discomfort that we feel where, you know, there's something on your mind, you know, you want to say it to your mate, but you don't want to be, you know, called something stupid or made to feel bad or made to feel like emasculated or, you know, in some way effeminate. And that's these things that we've internalized over time. Yeah. So I think I want to be working in some way or in some fields that encourages men to, to open up and get to know themselves. Don't know if that answers your question, but that's no, the- it, it does. <laughs> and obviously, uh, I've taken some notes to go on, and uh, obviously, as Sam said, our producer, it would flow naturally. And it kind of the conversation that I kind of wished to have with you, I only knew the beginning and the end. In between that, we'll fill in the gaps, just kind of catching up and kind of speaking on subjects that matter to me and to you. And as I said, a big part about this is is getting to know yourself, and it's my own journey because I always wanted to do. A podcast uh, but I had been what I thought was struggling with addiction for a long time and from starting out in the same scene I used to DJ as you know in like bars and like small clubs around Dublin and I was exposed to drugs and partying and even the fact that you said you probably had so crippling social anxiety and you were you know gigging to pretty big gigs at the time and to mm. be so young and exposed to that whereas a lot of people like myself would have drank and I love calling alcohol a social lubricant because people have this misconception that when you're out and you're drinking, you're having fun, but it's actually like you're poisoning yourself or I love a few points, don't get me wrong, <clears throat> but you're technically like probably taking yourself away from your true self. Yeah. And not to get too deep because I like to try and keep it real, but I actually feel since stepping away from using drugs and all that, that you kind of do have to rediscover your true self. And that's why I'm a big follower of what you do and especially the message you give out online. And a, a topic I suppose that I struggle with and it's a really big thing that I wanted to ask you was when I was trying to find a therapist or someone to speak to, I found it very difficult to maybe not ashamed, but I was trying to say, how do I speak to this person about a problem that I'm dealing with if they haven't gone through with themselves and yeah. I had an issue and I'd love you to maybe speak to to pass on your message of like because you're the same age as me but I didn't want to go to a, a, a lady therapist in case she didn't understand certain emotions I had within myself and then if somebody hadn't like maybe had problems with drink or drugs or the same issues I had I felt like I couldn't connect with the right therapist and I went through loads of people sometimes I felt like they were uncomfortable when I was telling them what was on the surface so there mm. was no way it was going to be session two and your whole business then is to, to maybe i suppose talk to people when they're most vulnerable yeah so what is that process like to, that when somebody comes to you you have the chat and how do you kind of make people feel at ease or how do you take on a client there's yeah. you know i suppose it's question number one okay so to go back a little bit to the training i suppose is like a lot of what training as a therapist is is there's two fields there's like the theory side and then there's the the kind of more practical side and the practical side is usually a self-discovery journey so you have to have your own therapist you have to have probably been in therapy for a while in order to kind of dip into it so okay. there's an interview process 
um, within the course that I did, which is maybe like probably like one of the more strict ones in terms of expectation. There's some amazing colleges out there, like, but this one in particular does some things that maybe other people and other courses don't push uh, the students to do. Okay. So you have to have your own therapist. You have someone that teaches you therapy skills, like literally just how to interact with people. Then you have another module that's all about stress and regulation and the body, which obviously drew me in because I have a background in, in fitness. Um, it's very rigorous and they put you in groups as well where the college that I went to, you have to go once a week for 90 minutes and sit in a group with people who are in the training as well. Okay. Um, all I can say about it is it's called process group. I did it for four years. I still don't really understand what the <laughs> hell it is, but it does help you to kind of realize maybe you know, for me, it was a bit of social anxiety, a bit of discomfort, a bit of an inability to sit and be real. Okay. Um, so I would go to this um, character of the Joker and I would sit for five minutes and then I'd kind of start taking the piss and I'd find someone to become uh, complicit in that with me. So I'd find one of the lads or one of the girls and just joke around. Now, never at someone's expense, yeah. but just as a means of alleviating my stress. So that was one of the things that I figured out about myself over that time when say you get to the end of the four years and you're sitting and you might be mixed into these big experiential like group weekends and you'll be in with people in first year and then you're there as a fourth year and you'll start to see like oh that guy's like really pissing me off and then you kind of sit with it and you're like i wonder what that's about whereas maybe if, like if i was in first year i would have been like you're fucking annoying me or something like that yeah but in sitting with it and observing and then observing myself in observance, if that makes sense. So they call okay. it the, the self-observing self. Scares so, me already. So I'm, I'm watching me react to this person who's antagonizing me because essentially they are doing something I would have done four years ago. Okay. And I'm getting pissed off about it. But then instead of acting or reacting, I have this realization of like, he's doing what you would have done. And I suppose that's kind of, you have to get to that point with as many aspects of your personality and your social yeah. interactions as you can. So you do that for four years, like you start to become maybe more self-aware or hopefully. And through that process, you become much more comfortable being in uncomfortable situations. Love, Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. Getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. Determinative. I, go, I love a good like tagline or analogy or something motivational as mm. I call a light bulb moment, but I like that. Um, another quick area was what, like, how do you... If somebody comes to you, is there a specific field you would delve into or would you, would it be like, are you obliged to say, I don't think this is a field that I'm as in touch with? Like, you know, it's kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like expertise or something? Expertise, or, yeah. Do you feel yeah. like it's quite, if somebody's coming to you mad, vulnerable, like, I don't know, what is it, like an obligation to put them in the right direction? I'm sure that's obviously a major point. Absolutely, yeah. For yeah. anyone, because well, for myself, a funny example was, I went to this guy and I was like, I'm really, really not in a good place. I think by even starting to find, uh, to even look for a therapist, like, right, there's something not sitting well with me or something not right. And the, I've been doing it for about two years now. And uh, Justin is the, the man I work with. And he's a legend. He's an older guy, just for reference. I felt like when I was speaking to like, a girl my, the same age as me or somebody that was not as what I was looking for. I just, I remember it's a tough conversation having you're sitting there probably at your most vulnerable mm -hmm. and they were all quite nice bar one or two, but I just didn't connect. Um, how, yeah, how would you go about then? Is it like what you see on TV? It's like you have the one episode, not the one episode, the one appointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, so if you like this, would you like to come back to me? Or what's your way? Because you're the same age pretty much as myself. I'm 36. Uh, Stephen's a little bit younger. But I just want to know, 
yeah what's the next step then after session one yeah so uh, it's just to cover the referral process so people will reach out maybe through like my website or social media or um like a word of mouth referral and yeah. then what i would do i would have their details either with them contacting me or them filling out a form through the site then i would arrange a phone call initially okay so that would just be a very general chat just to kind of i, I ask people three questions is like like tell me about yourself tell me what brings you to therapy if they're expecting to begin and then tell me what you want to get from the process i think that's the best way because you get a bit of an idea for how they see themselves first yeah and what they feel they're struggling with and where they want to well the struggle they want to overcome and where they want to actually end up once they've done that so it's it's a kind of tricky thing to navigate in the sense that i have an obligation to do no harm Okay. So I would never want to say I'll agree to work with someone if I didn't feel like I genuinely had the capacity to help them. Okay. So if someone came to me and said, like, listen, I'm dealing with, say, I don't, I'm trying to think of something I'm not well versed in. So like, I'm not trying to work with anyone under 18. Okay. So if someone reached out and said, listen, I want you to talk to my son or daughter, they're 15, they're gone through like an eating disorder or something like that. It wouldn't qualify. I wouldn't, yeah, it, it wouldn't be right. And it would be because everyone kind of knows each other in psychotherapy in some way. Um, so you'd be able to reach out to like a mentor or someone through the college to get a referral. So that person can be supported with someone that's, I suppose, an expert in that field that they need support in. Okay. So that's, that's the first example that comes to mind. But essentially, I would contract with someone to do six initial sessions because some people want to come for like a couple and then they feel like they've gotten a handle on a specific instance. Um, once we do the six sessions, we'll then go open-ended. So I'm trying to think like, I've got three clients that I've been seeing weekly for over a year now. Brilliant. Um, so talking like 40 plus sessions just to do it like, you know, holidays and like random absences. Yeah. Um, and therapy is like one of those things where I want to kind of talk about meditation actually to explain it. Yeah. So I heard a story about, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh, but it was just say like a Buddhist monk or a former Buddhist monk. And this guy who's a high achiever goes to him and he's like, listen, like I've been meditating and I'm not really seeing progress. If I meditate four hours a day, every day, how long do I have to meditate to reach enlightenment? And the Buddhist monk stops and he thinks, and he's like, four years. And he's like, okay. And he stops and thinks. And this high achiever is like, all right, what if I do eight hours a day, every day? How long will it take me then? And the Buddhist monk stops and he thinks, and he's like, eight years. And the thing is like, why did that there, there's no start and end like you know you kind of usually people associate coming to therapy with like a crisis moment which can be the case yeah but i think now there's more of an openness for people to come to just have a non-judgmental space where they can express themselves and kind of almost like undo the knots that we've internalized with societal shames for whatever like if you think about like catholic guilt yeah things that we've internalized from our family interactions maybe like incidents of bullying back in the day we hold all those experiences inside and we don't know that they're like one not right and two not our fault so just by the process of going to someone who's not judgmental who's open and willing to listen to you i think it has this really beautiful effect of kind of like just undoing some of the tension that people can carry so so that's an area for me because i i felt like uh it's not it's very hard because as you just said you kind of want to go to somebody to kind of speak a tell i suppose not just speak to about what's going on in your life and I find with therapy, uh, I must find out what Justin, like, well, he specializes in addiction. Mm -hmm. But uh, we the issue I had, which is even difficult for me to say and say on camera and audio, was I used to use cocaine. And it was went very hand in hand in the scene of DJing. And, you know, but I would be 
off my head. I like you mightn't have seen that I was off my head, but I was under the influence. Yeah. I'm trying to keep a PG here, but that's not me. I would have been uh, yeah, out of my head, right? Yeah. On drugs and but I would have drank and I would have taken drugs and then that was just like a cycle. And I then I thought after years and years and years of DJing and being in the scene that it was kind of okay. And then it, I think when, I don't know, only up to quite recently, I seen that uh, I didn't have time to really find out who I was, what was going on, because you're, you're supposed every weekend I was out like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you're recovering all the way through the week until yeah. it's Thursday again. Sleeping it off to then do it again. And- to do it again. And, and it was like, we speak about uh, being on the hamster wheel. And with addiction, I think for me, it was like finding somebody based off the first initial uh is it meeting or appointment yeah and then going i actually like this person's energy mm-hmm. so is there any kind of ways in which you would i suppose apart from passing on your own message how would you target or to give maybe some people advice to reach out because i know it's very hard to take like you go on google and go addiction problems or mental health mm. so apart from i i love what you're doing even when you came in to cut and sew and you were like here's my business um and you gave me some business cards and you're actually going door to door to people you know to yeah, speak yeah. about and it's really really good to do that but not many people i i think do that in your field um and i suppose what would you advise anyone uh i don't know if i've touched on this but to really say what's the starting point for someone if they think they have a problem like is it to obviously go find yourself or how would you say pass on that information yeah so like word of mouth recommendations are good the only thing is like if you're if you're really, really best friends with someone, it's kind of hard for the therapist to then take them on because obviously you don't want the conflict of interest where I'm telling you to do something and then I'm telling your best mate to do the opposite because yeah. I'm trying to be empathetic to your process, but also might be in some way contradicting myself then because I'm I'm focused on your experience, not the other person while we're in session. Okay. Um, in terms of reaching out, there are some great resources. Like, so people generally wouldn't know this but like there's there's two big organizations there's ihip which is iahip yeah and then there's another one called iacp and they're both really well recognized and really renowned uh psychotherapy organizations within, Ar- within ireland they would have a register of qualified therapists but i think <clears throat> i think to go back to your point that you said um you didn't want to go to some like maybe like you know woman who doesn't have the same life experience who's maybe a bit judgmental totally like if i was going to say something she'd be like oh yeah yeah i can't believe that so there's they those people have a nickname among the kind of like younger crowd of therapists (laughs) not that there's a divide but they call them the scarves because okay. they always have like a flowery scarf on and they're always sitting there she had a flowery like, dress I think yeah, or something she kinda, looked like someone I would have seen in the workman's and I was like she's definitely seen me DJ and drunk yeah. and off my head there's no way I'm going to you yeah but the thing is like you kind of want to have someone that may have some similar life experience and the thing is generally what we're doing is we're projecting this expectation upon the possible therapist based yeah. on like how we view them is like so if you come to me for example you're probably like that fella's probably been on the session a few times like i may never have i may have but it's your expectation of I'd what you see for, he's got some cool tattoos <laughs> yeah, like, he's, like he's made some regrettable yeah, decisions nice runners, in life. yeah we've definitely spoken in a kitchen yeah yeah about like going on the holidays yeah. in the future well actually to, to to go on to the kitchen chat thing actually if we can segue that was kind of how i knew i was going to be a therapist because that's how i knew you like, no 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 i used to end up in these situations where like there'd be an after party in like say in the house i was living in or i ended up back at one and i'd always end up in the corner talking to someone about like their deepest darkest traumas people were drawn yeah and i'd be sitting there going like i could make a living out of this you know (laughs) nice yeah but um no it was kind of seeing that like i think the energy that i gave off because you mentioned energy was maybe in some way 
people were like, oh, I can talk to this person. I don't know why. I think I was thinking back to when we met, probably much more enthusiastic and kind of like happy-go-lucky. Not that I'm jaded now, but just yeah. maybe more like, you know, oh, everything is unbelievable. And maybe people were drawn to that. But um, I think the important thing for anyone reaching out to begin their journey in therapy is to trust their gut and to really not put pressure on themselves to just if they go for one session with someone, if they're really not feeling like they're connected, to just go, listen, you're not for me and that's okay. Because if you look at the predictors of success um, in terms of outcomes of therapy, yeah. the relationship is the main thing. Like there are hundreds upon hundreds of approaches. If you don't connect on a very fundamental human level with the person in front of you, you're never going to open up to them because some part of you will always hold back. Yeah, you spoke about energy. And I think as well, when I see you or when I ever see you, I feel like there's a nice aura, real friendly. I just met your lovely wife the last time. We ended up sitting down and ended up jumping into a crazy talk yeah, in, yeah. was it is, is Zaytunes? In Zaytunes, And yeah, I was yeah. just like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, just yeah. literally over a bit of lunch, I was saying, oh, I think I'm in a great place. I'm, you know, I'm off drugs. Um, and I was just, I don't know, your energy is very infectious. Yeah, I find that with Sabrina as well, though. And she said that when we finished that chat, she yeah, was like, that was, she actually said that was like the nicest conversation she's had with anyone from like my circle of people. Wow. Which was really lovely, but she's yeah, also very much. Say, and I was a bit like, Whoa, that's that what she said. It's like, she absolutely loved it. And I think that's, it's like getting into that natural flow with people. It's just, uh, I don't know if it's one on one or like two on one, and I know the people. Like I'm, I'm very comfortable. It's yeah. just, it's you're groups. very, very, yeah. Like, it, not that I wouldn't want to have you as my therapist, <laughs> because I think that's a conflict of interest, or maybe it's yeah, not. Because yeah. my mom actually spoke about uh, therapy and something that I think she should totally do. And she spoke that when she apparently, if you're trained, you have to do uh, an exercise where you have to stare at somebody and don't talk over oh. a table. I don't know if that's in a particular field. Yeah. And I was like, I've done that. This is my mum. I literally, I don't want to say I came out of you. That doesn't sound good. But literally, she birthed me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, stop looking at me. It was so, it was so crazy. Yeah. But, the, but the, oh, yeah, the energy that I feel from yourself is very infectious, uh, one. And I think with the therapist I work with, Justin, we actually haven't met face to face. So right. with COVID, there's two areas I want to talk to you about. Uh, post COVID, do you think there's more people suffering because it was such a mental time that no one in the world has ever gone through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, but secondly, um, I, yeah, I never did face to face with Justin. And it's something that's, that's so right that my message would be is I actually now, I feel it because he doesn't ask me, do you want to jump in next Tuesday at 10 o'clock, Sean? Because there's no pressure, goes, I'll talk to you, that I reach out to him more. So I okay. would love to pass on the smallest message to people that if they were ever thinking about doing therapy, yeah. my experience, if anyone knows any of my lifestyle habits is, okay, he, you know, thought he had an addiction with uh, cocaine. Or I, I pretty, I hit it pretty hard for a while. And then alcohol's a, an area that I'm interested in. But do you think, uh, or going alcohol abstinent or abstinent, it's something that I want to do. I want to do like sober October or mm. like dry January. I never did this, right. but it's all new to me in terms of like, whoa, sober or wellness. And that's what I want this podcast to be open up on areas that people might find interesting and know characters from like Dublin or all around the world. Do you think, because everyone talks about Dublin being this crazy place mm -hmm. since the pandemic, and I live in the city, uh, have you seen or in your field, is there a spike in people with mental health problems or do you think it's more, it's just gone through the roof because of COVID-19 or the pandemic? So I'm going to think for a second how to phrase this so I don't make a faux pas. So, 
I think there's a misunderstanding in how we interpret mental health in general. Yeah, okay. I think there's this expectation that if you think like you go to the GP for everything that isn't mental health, I know some people do, they get referred and they get given SSRIs or whatever, yeah. but it still feels like that having some kind of mental health challenge is the exception to the rule. As in like, we know that we'll have a risk of cancer, of heart disease, of all these things. And it's a given that based on lifestyle, this will happen with maybe more or less probability depending on said lifestyle. Okay. So disease is a definite thing that will happen to us in terms of the physical side of things at some point in life. I still think there's this idea that mental health issues don't arise for everybody. So I would say I disagree with that. And I think that mental health issues are part and parcel in being a conscious being. Okay. Like having the awareness that, you know, you have this wealth of emotion that you can tap into on any given day. You can have an interpretation of any experience that's far different to mine. And I might share that exact same experience with you based on, you know, your predisposition, your history, genetics, all this stuff. Yeah. So I think we need to accept the fact that everyone who has a brain has a mental health battle. Now, some people's battles are much bigger. That was going to be a very important question to me okay. because I, I feel the, the mental health card gets thrown around a lot. Me being mm. a, an employer with a staff of 25, I'm in a, an awkward situation where people say, oh, my head's not right. Uh, I feel oh, I've mental health issues. Do, how do I, this is a question I think should be, how do you know if you have mental health? Because I feel like I'm, I actually have very good mental health, but what led me to therapy was I think it was what I, th I thought I was an addict. I thought I had, but, I, but then I know very close friends that had to have cocaine every day. I didn't have to have cocaine every day. I, mm -hmm. I don't even care about it or think about it. But when I drank and I took it, I was like a, a heavy party. I would just take it and go on benders. But I actually, after getting through the pandemic, after going through some crazy life, personal stuff, I feel like I, I don't have mental health issues. And I don't want to get too cocky and all of a sudden I have it because... Mm three men close to me like really close i don't want to say for you know out of respect uh two tried to commit suicide one elder gentleman and one the same age as myself and i'm like god how do you how can you pick up if your friends or if somebody does have it because I, I feel like i don't have it i would just be on a come down mm. from a bender even my own mom would be like i know you're a mess in the weekend because you're non-existent or you're not on instagram <laughs> or you wouldn't answer the phone so you said we all have mental health issues on some level was that the right thing well or? like i think just like you have to mind your physical health as in if, if i if i go and eat like chips every single day like breakfast lunch and dinner i'm probably going to have heart disease and be obese yes if i don't exercise have some understanding of my nutrition have some practice that's based in like mindfulness whether it's meditation or simply just noticing your steps as you walk yeah um, i'm going to probably be more susceptible to having a bad mental health episode but yeah. i th i think as a given, and I'm not like, this is just my own opinion. I think everyone has a mental health challenge or struggle. At some just, stage or just we all- Just as in, in general, as part and parcel of being a human that has a brain. But it doesn't okay. mean that, it doesn't mean that my experience of say, social anxiety will be anything like the next person's. It just means that to whatever degree I'm susceptible based on everything that's happened since I've been born to this point and other factors. So it's kind of, so, so when I, talk about therapy because this could be kind of good the way that like you're kind of giving me a therapy session in some way there's <laughs> moments <laughs> yeah there's, yeah there's moments that come up when i talk about and i'm like my brain i i remember my first memory and this is funny and i'll tell people people loneliness came up anger came up and when i go back to working with justin he would tell me 
what do you make fun of? Oh, and I goes anger, and I'm like, geez, I didn't realize that that was triggering that emotion. And mm. I'm very new to this. I'm doing it over a year now. So until I got away from what I thought was an addiction, which was cocaine, it's actually stemmed down to like very simple points of my, my I suppose, my story. You know, you start on day dot, and I'm at, I'm here now, and there's moments along that way that have triggered or brought me to place that I've been. Mm-hmm. I was brought up amazingly, mom and dad were great parents, our great parents, spoiled me with love and everything they could, and I was given a great life. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not privileged in some ways if people has more have more money or is more educated, they've better well, mental health. But for me, it's something that comes up is like uh, trigger moments or like, I was like, oh my God, that moment at like four, I can picture my first memory is of like, my mom's gonna kill me for saying this. But she left me on, not left me, she left me with her best friend to go to work on the bus. And I remember just being traumatized because mm. it was like abandonment. And yeah, that, yeah. that came up as well. And then I remember at like 13, another mad moment happened. And I was like, how have I stored these moments? And are we all kind of built in that way that your job is to kind of dissect? So, okay, you know, because everyone thinks of, well, tell me about this. And yeah, they put yeah, the yeah. question to you. Is everyone, is everyone pretty much built the same or are we all kind of more complex than others because if anyone that would be listening or watching this would go that sounds like my story or that doesn't sound like mine do we all kind of have the same we all have the same starting point kind of or do we in terms of like just coming into the world or we're all born but like you know obviously if somebody's born and they've no parents or whatever but how do i say this i'm trying to dissect your world too much i have all these bullet points of like i'm going to call them trigger moments so is that kind of how people can kind of figure out i'm trying to get get answers i suppose to questions i don't know does everybody have trigger points that leads them to therapy because that's why you end up going there if you're not recommended by a gp or a loved one do you think Mm. there's all these emotional uh setbacks we're holding back or yeah i'm trying to figure out like do we all what, hold what draws people to that and if we hold it inside like yeah because obviously it's like you're gonna implode at some stage maybe as you said if you don't deload or you know get rid of like your your junk up here you have to exercise your mind as well as your body mm-hmm. so i mean is there yeah is do we all have the same like peeling back the onion kind of you know Yeah. So there's, yeah. a, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score by a guy called Bessel van der Kolk. And it was kind of popularized in the last couple of years because it's a really comprehensive, um, I suppose, breakdown and um, sorting of like research into what helps in terms of trauma and the impact that it has on our bodies. So literally the, the title of the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Okay. So if you imagine that, like, just like you play a football match, you get like two foot tackle, you're going to be limping around. But imagine that's an emotional wound. Good analogy. Yeah, like, so you're going to walk yeah. around with that kind of going, Jesus, like something hurts. But because again, like I work with a mix of men and women, but predominantly I feel women are more versed in terms of expressing themselves emotionally. Okay. And I would kind of, I would, yeah, I would describe it as like, if you imagine a kind of like a handyman. So like, women generally and i know there are exceptions to the rule and i'm not trying to generalize but to make a point uh this is necessary so women generally are like the handyman who can do a bit of painting a bit of tile and a bit of plastering lay a floor like you know all the stuff that you need to do in terms of 
expressing their emotional world okay like they have all the tools or a lot more tools and resources than men do women also sit around and talk about things women cry together women support each other through that and don't belittle each other when something that may be trivial to to men or to even that other woman that's like going confided in yeah Yeah. we'll just be like i'm really sorry that that's happening to you that's usually the response and it's very nurturing and comforting as the men culture you know yourself like immediately like maybe there's that release but i find that it's kind of like it's like a a joke sandwich it's like you make fun of each other you kind of go oh jesus i'm feeling a little bad about that oh you fucking billing and it's just that's how men tend to express themselves so men are kind of like you know they're still the handyman driving around in the overalls with the van but when you go to the van and open it up there's like one toolbox and you open the toolbox and there's just a hammer because all we know how to do is just smash shit until it works like what what are you doing that for but like that doesn't really work and then you have a woman who's very versed in all these things trying to reason with a man and not understanding his process because they're expecting that you know oh but like we know how to express ourselves and we we support each other through this so that's why the whole men are from uh mars women are from venus thing because we don't know how to communicate because i even find that i turn to my wife sometimes when i'm stressed out over something and she's like sitting there fully ready for me to like be open and i'm just like no i don't know and she's like you're a therapist yeah and i'm like yes but i'm also a male okay that's not gonna that's not gonna gonna get you out too easy like lad culture as well it's it's great to see yeah the conversations flows for us as well because this Mm. is very new like sitting around so i i think i was an outsider when i was in school uh, and we moved around i moved like at a crazy amount of times to england to london back so i was always thrown in i never felt like i fitted in I was kind of friendly with the well they weren't jocks here but the football lads that sat on the radar that were cool probably smoking then like the nirvana megadeth heads with the like ch- key chains and like big emos yeah. and i was kind of somewhere in between like i'm on everyone but i never i never i used to love football that was one of my first dreams was to play for man united and um, but i never fitted in with the lads and it, i was never actually exposed to it and i that's the thing i think with uh, lads and mental health I would love to encourage, I've seen a lot more people over the last few years pushing, I hate playing the mental health card, but I think it can do no harm talking about it, but I think it's important. And I'd love your advice as a professional about getting advice or portraying something. Because even when my best friend's like, you actually don't know anything about this. And I said, well, I only know what I know. Mm-hmm. And I can express this. It could be very dangerous. And this is, I would love your question. Is it, I don't want to give misinformation now, but is it um, dangerous for people to talk about it or to mention any things, do you think? Because now that I am a little bit older and I cut hair, the first quest- question I ask when someone comes in is, how are you doing? And obviously, probably 95% of men, even 100 wear masks. Say, oh, I'm fine, I'm grand, cool, yeah. how are you? We mask it. So is there any advice you'd put on to how I can maybe speak about it or anyone that's listening say, do you know what's a nice way to start up a conversation? Whereas I would love to pass on some information on how lads can be a bit more open and anyone that's watching but people in mm. general is there any tips you could say this is a nice way to maybe start a conversation because all i would say is i don't go up to the lads goes how's the head are you all right are you gonna are you, <laughs> do you have mental health issues i don't say it in that sense mm. but i would be like are you all right most of the time when i was out drinking or, or on drugs i would have mental breakdowns so that's even funny i didn't even think that I, I remember breaking down crying and being like and I'd be shaking like when I was a kid when I I ended up having a an episode with a kid I just remember being real going back to this childlike state but only when I was off my head out of my head I think I could express it or drunk and you know when people say that 
oh, and then you wake up the next one. Oh, sure, geez, that's grand. I didn't mean that. So yes, sorry, but is there any ways in which you yeah. think is a good conversation starter or ways in which to intro someone into into their group of friends? Are you really doing okay? And then you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm grand, stop asking me. Because I, I hate that lad culture of like, I'm grand, as you said, the lad sandwich. Yeah, yeah, dismissing it. Dismissing yeah, dismissing it. it. I'm all right, I was only um, crying last night. So three things came to mind there. The okay. first is a more general thing for like men, women, whatever way people are identifying. Um, the closer that you can express your inner world through your outer world. So the closer I can express what I'm thinking through my words to another person, the more free I will be. Nice. Because I won't be stopping myself from, you know, being real and being true and being actually Stephen or you being actually Sean. Yeah. The second thing I think that for for men, especially like in your situation where like, you know, you're seeing multiple people each week and maybe this might be the only time that they're one-on-one -on -one with someone that they're familiar with, but they're not like super, you know, in their like inner circle of friends or in their family. So you have that kind of like nice bit of like being removed from it, but also being close to them because like, you know, barbers are held in high esteem in terms of like Ireland, especially we talk to our barbers about stuff. Yeah. Um, and you get to, you build a relationship up like, yeah, uh, that's all day, every day. I look forward to 98% of my clients. And this is a very important message for, for me is like, uh, they say you uh, like energy, you attract your clients. Mm -hmm. So like, that's why I say 98% of the clients that come to me, I get on with a great, on, on with yeah. really good and I'm become friends with and stuff like that. Yeah. So what can you learn from the 2% that are wrecking your head? And what does it remind you of about yourself? Because that's uh, that'll probably... be giving me these questions now. We'll start, well, it actually is very yeah. hot in here and we're going through a heat wave. Um, somebody gave me some good advice that uh, an old boss of mine who's no longer with us, uh, he sadly passed away horribly. That doesn't sound too nice. I just don't know why I'm laughing, but he passed away tragically. I'm just nervous. That, um, what did he say? Oh my God, yes. If you get a client in your chair and you're like, I don't like it, they, he said, find one common ground and work with that. Mm. And that's how I can deal with uh, the 2%. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm actually in a position that I'm quite busy in my work, uh, I actually, it's an, an interesting area that if somebody comes to me and wants a haircut and don't take this, it's I'm actually looking out for myself now. I actually, the stress I get and worry about that person, we'll call the person 2%. I actually wouldn't cut their hair for 500 euro. It's not worth the, the mental headache. I actually sweat, worry, get nervous to certain clients that I just don't know what it is, but they might remind me of something or intimidate mm. me. Or it could or be an energy thing as well. I think it's an energy thing. So mm. I'm like, there's something like not right. Yeah. I suffer with going red, with getting sweats. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't like the certain clients. I'm just like, that I don't cut them anymore, obviously. But I remember being like, oh my God, I think energy is a big point that I'm going to take from this. Mm -hmm. I was like, why am I worried three days in advance for, we'll call him John because, you know, the most generic name going. But when John was coming in, I remember being like, this is not what my mental headspace. So it's an, it's an interesting area for me to have the shot because when I think of the staff and cutting, so I'm like, yeah. I do want to look after their well-being. And I don't think enough people in every probably profession takes action. And you actually spoke to me about doing a, maybe a workshop or what would you describe it to? Yeah, yeah just like. To, to businesses, is that something that you do or what? Yeah, it's what, a, yeah. So something I've been developing over time, I suppose, is giving practical advice to people who just work face to face. So um, I've talked in like one of the bigger banks recently um, and I'm just kind of in the process of like booking up between now and the end of the year, but it's essentially just practical 
advice in terms of like well-being and mental health okay i just want to go back to just one thing on the um Please. interacting and kind of like maybe being the seed of a conversation to encourage someone who's obviously gone through something but reluctant to speak like i think a challenge that we as men in this country in particular have to get over is this whole brash thing of like being like the strong silent kind of like too cool for skill person because three out of four suicides over here every year year on year are male two um, out of every three out of every four so 75 percent of the suicides in this country are men taking their own wow. lives because they would rather kill themselves than to be vulnerable so if we look at that i like, just wrote down vulnerable i'm not even kidding you yeah. not crazy energy isn't that men i'm yeah. not even kidding because it's like something that i said and be even wow that is yeah but it's it's gonna get even weirder because this the last point that i wanted to say to you was that true strength lies in being able to present your vulnerability in a confident way like if you're standing with someone and you know they're gone through something like one of your mm. clients maybe it's someone that you've just met maybe it's someone you've seen five years but your gut is gone mental saying something is wrong here okay, you need yeah. to take the step to be like okay i'm going to be the kind of like guide for this person to show look i can talk about something challenging or i can show a vulnerable side and it doesn't mean that i'm less than a man or less of a man because we have this idea a very narrow interpretation of what men should be and it's like we shut up and we like it's like this is going back maybe 20 years ago but we yeah. shut up we earn the money like we're the breadwinners that's all we do we provide and we do nothing else maybe we watch a bit of football you have a few cans with your mate on a saturday and then get ready for the, the week on sunday and then go and do it again yeah. that's not society now like now and you know what but then again here's uh maybe contradicting sometimes people are very content in that me and my dad actually speak about him mm. and he just retired and he doesn't know what and he goes do you know what if people seem real content with the working the nine to five going to the football on the wednesday night the saturday night they see and watch x factor to sunday to go for a carvery mm. sunday night they've you know maybe go out with the wife or just to wind it down and go back and being very content whereas a lot of the people i find that have spoke to me in mental a lot of them are quite successful so it's like yeah i don't know i think everyone in every in all walks of lives as you, as we kind of just roundabout come to in a roundabout way come to is everyone suffers on some level yeah. and it's like is there any again because you have a background in fitness i do think getting out in nature getting the walks in the best high i've ever had is a hike and in the last six months i hiked karen tool ireland's highest peak i swear to god i haven't taken that many drugs but i've tried a few mm -hmm. and the best high i've ever had is a hike and it was it sounds corny people like go no, away out of that you accomplished something it's it's actually a totally it's a, a good friend of mine who i've actually done a, sober activities with now and we used to be misbehaving quite a lot <laughs> Bow boys. yeah we got the steps in let's say on a weekend <laughs> but we were like the the planning of it the the getting the confidence from saying you're going to do it and do it mm -hmm. and there's a few tools that i'll have and they're not coming to me now that we're actually recording it but it's actually in the doing that is the reward and when you finish it you're like what's next there's yeah. a there's a really there's a nice enjoyment in like i've done ireland's highest peak i want to do you know scotland's highest peak or ben nevis or whatever in wales or whatever what they're called so yeah there's that's really interesting to say about that but have you any if you don't mind me asking to percy any dark moments that you could share or even not a, like a low point because mm. or a rock bottom i don't think that's the conversation but any moments that you as well even as a professional in your world could pass on or share and if if so could you tell us a little bit about it yeah sure so like listen i'm human i'm i'm trained in a specific modality of sitting and listening to people and helping them interpret their lives and hopefully understand themselves a bit better but i'm not impervious to challenge or 
feeling like an imposter or feeling yeah. less than um i think we compare ourselves a lot to other people and it's funny that you asked that question because this came to me when i was cycling up here so i was thinking about how to explain i suppose the impact of social media or perceived success on ourselves brilliant so if you imagine like like a crate of 24 apples and they're all shiny red you know like the proper like cartoon like not yeah. not a slight imperfection on them so that's what social media gives us now is like oh everything is perfect everything is brilliant but what's happening when we're seeing that is we're internalizing that pain of less than and we're actually rotting ourselves from the inside out so if you think like you're looking at all these shiny red apples looking jesus like he's doing that and she's in this holiday and he just bought this and he's doing that and he got promoted it's a highlight reel yeah yeah it's like it's not a fan it it is a fantasy sorry it's like the trailer for someone's life and you know what happens with film trailers i know you're a big film buff like most of the time the film is shit but the trailer is brilliant I know. I know there's exceptions to that. But, but sometimes they show us too much. Mm. And that and that is true. I wonder, like, i seen the Ed Sheeran quote going around because I love the Explorer page on Instagram. I actually get a lot of inspiration and motivation from quotes. And I actually, again, what, I've, what I'm attracted to is my Explorer page shows me is wellness, fitness, uh, and, like, barber and stuff or, like, yeah. whatever. And it's... Um, yeah it's yeah it's it's pretty crazy sorry uh, i've lost my train of thought no we were just i was basically the point that i was gonna uh oh yeah about instagram sorry it's a highlight reel the movie the trailer yeah yeah but i see stuff like that sometimes i see someone who's built a business or has like x amount of clients or whatever it is and i start to get that creep and self-doubt and then i just realized like you're actually moving your attention away from your own process steven get back on what you're doing like narrow the view on what is your world like the people that are important to me my friends and family what i want to do with my life and if i'm looking after myself those are the things like and try to be a kind person in general but you know sometimes cycling around dublin that's a little bit difficult because (laughs) you know drivers can be a bit uh lacking in their awareness very very well put i actually do this thing that's with justin and i I've actually forgot love it me and sam are only talking about it before the show i I think it's called like the circle of life and you draw a circle and you can have four slices of the pizza or eight slices of the pizza Mm. and in them slices you put in the pieces of your life and when i started with justin there was like say wealth health family friends and there was a few more Mm -hmm. and of each one you mark one to ten one being low ten being high and I didn't know what he was doing at the start. And I did it and it was like very low. Like there was nothing above a five. So obviously I was like, geez, that's not good. Yeah. And then he got me to do it over a year later. And he was like, how is your wealth, health, family and friends? And or whatever it is, but they were the four pillars I remember. And without even realizing, he said, answer straight away. Because we do it via Zoom, our yeah. therapy sessions. And I couldn't believe like they were all nearly like you can always have better relations people so i would never say 10 out of 10 but i think there were eight and nines and in a year of actually doing work and finding a therapist that i could be my true self with and be vulnerable i feel like i've changed my life and actually saved my life because the path i was going down with was not healthy and everybody close to me really knew because they could tell my habits Mm. Uh, and i started to find it and two i read a book that resonated with me and i follow people on social media that i like so we go back to the energy of it and people that i think are inspirational and actually where i'm going back to is like how do you find an authentic person to talk to and is there anyone you'd recommend we could follow apart from yourself and obviously maybe we can comment some of the books you recommended mm-hmm. and the same with me just books that i love that i found yeah but is there anyone you would recommend or ways in which to start looking into maybe um, wellness well-being 
and mental health like i i feel like because he talks a little bit about like different topics every so often which i i admire him for his um psychological background and his ability to teach so jordan peterson wow has genuinely saved more young men's lives than anyone else in the last i'd say decade he I was only here in dublin right yeah yeah the tree I at, at the talk with sabrina like um wow. he's a great man he needs to stop talking about certain things and just stick to what he's an expert in but like that man has definitely changed a lot of people's lives and then more recently um there's a guy who i think he, he used to be a professional football player or basketball player but he's no longer doing that but the name is dg mindset okay and i, I really like I his content that it's page like, on instagram yeah. yeah he has someone just ask him a question and then he kind of ruminates over it and gives you like a genuine response i really like his stuff yeah but it's just anyone who puts something out that makes me feel good but good in the sense of like i've learned something or i've something to ponder over not makes me feel good because like they're driving the lamborghini and like they've got six women crammed into it or it's some fickle crap you like know? dan bazaar you know whatever yeah. yeah although actually interesting point on him i've seen some good clips of him yeah recently i actually saw something he was talking about happiness. money yeah money. yes we've seen the same clip. and saying there's a cut off where you know if you're he, say you're worth like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand after that the incremental difference is not really there because you're already we totally seen the same thing yeah 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 and i remember link listening to it going that's the guy that's just spent like 10 years partying with women on yachts and private islands and he's gone doesn't really make it that much happier his whole thing is a picture on instagram of like the playboy girls or models on the Mm. plane loads of guns and money and yeah yeah but if he's telling you that that's not the answer like money is not the answer jim carrey is like very outspoken in the last couple of years talking about how like I think he has none a of this saying, matters and all yeah, and he he's kind of people, mocking his industry and what made him wealthy yeah i think he has a thing saying like i wish everybody could be rich and famous for a day because then they'd realize that's not the answer yeah and like, it's funny it's yeah it's like even there's a particular guest on the pair pod that was talking about having everything having nothing having everything yeah and like it's i i think everything comes and goes but keeping true happiness is important i truly feel that when i'm most happiest is when i'm actually out in on anyone that knows me knows i'm addicted to the phone holding the phone being on social media i've taught i've been told you're way too active uh my girlfriend is like like she's so inactive on it and it's great and and i actually admire that my one of my brothers i think the i don't want to say the coolest one but one of the cooler <laughs> he's the coolest one to me in some ways because he doesn't do social media he hasn't a clue what i'm at so when i meet up with him it's like what's going on yeah, an actual like, conversation yeah. oh because yeah most of my clients are like were you not away in lanzarote there or yeah whatever. but for you or can i ask you when are you most happiest because i want this to be a positive kind of outcome as i said Pete, we all have dark moments and that's going to come yeah but what would you say apart from the obvious highlights when are you yeah. at happiest or what yeah when are you most happy uh when i'm laughing over something silly with my wife beautiful very like, soon but i like yeah no but that's it man like because i knew exactly i can feel it like and it's that thing of it doesn't matter what happens in my you know like from the time i wake up to the time i like finish my day i'm going home to someone who understands me and supports me no matter what and also loves me enough to push me to grow and calls me out on my bullshit that's a true companion like that's someone who you would give anything to have in your life and when you think about you know we were just talking about wealth and success and all of these things true wealth like actual wealth if you think about life and time being the most valuable asset that you'll ever have time i think yes that's i value with with my own things it's obviously i love being obviously i feel i'm very lucky to found ashton i think she's definitely the one 
and she'll obviously know that now watching this listening to this but i really feel finding someone that that i can be vulnerable with as a man yeah whereas i thought it was the other way around and i, I think because I've, I've been doing work and if i hadn't been doing work on myself with a therapist and battling what i thought well they were serious problems i don't think i would be in a healthy enough state this person could have passed me by and i feel like i found it's beautiful that you found uh your wife but for me um i think by being vulnerable i'm mm. my most happiest around ashen and that's it's amazing for you to say that as something as simple as being laughing silly at home with a loved one mm. yeah that's amazing I'm but delighted that's, that that's yeah what it is you. for you and same for you man but yeah. that's that's the real stuff is like actual wealth is the oh, quality yeah. relationships that you have and the people that you get to spend most of your time with nothing else means anything like money is gone when you die everything is gone when you die other than hopefully your soul and have i hope you, that has a remnant of that experience because i've never felt love like it and it's it actually i don't know if you feel like this but like when you're with someone that you know you're both equally responsible for building a life together i feel like there's yeah. especially for as a man like there's this well of resource that i've tapped into and I'm like, Jesus, I wish I had this much consideration for like myself when I was just like, you know, a singular entity. But because you have a family and because you have a partner, you're like, Jesus, I can do anything. And yeah. that's kind of that thing of just being like, right, it's not just me anymore. And it gives us that other, yeah, well of self-belief to go, Jesus, I didn't know that that was there. Yeah, I think as well, it's, um, it, but I don't know, I feel like this should be tapped into us. It, there should be more resources for us, as we all know, not to get too deep. But I, apparently, the mental health world over here is very difficult for people to get into. There's a wait list. We can't maybe manage uh, the amount of people that need the services now. Because I mm. hear nothing like, you know, about even, was it Sinead O'Connor's son was unwell or that's just someone in the public eye but i know of people that can't get treatment yeah there's huge delay there's a big delay and, and it's um i think again people like yourself that are maybe working in the industry how do you think well how can yeah how can you impact or what do you think morally is your goal professionally like what would you like to achieve from now in your world to i don't know the end of your career what would be the biggest like achievement you can achieve within your field right <laughs> i'm trying to think like so i imagine looking back and on a very basic level i would like to know that what i did enabled people to feel seen and heard and appreciated as themselves and to feel some sense of just like loving kindness and encouragement to just step into who they really really are and i think to go back to that vulnerability thing is like there's this whole thing about disclosure in therapy, but like sometimes if I feel like it's important, I will tell clients things about my experience in life because I think it's only fair that, say you're coming to me for a year. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you something big for me because I want to connect with you as much as you're connecting with me. And like, I believe in this process. So it's just about kind of being a real human being with someone and it does, there's, there's a magic to therapy that even though I've been doing this a couple of years, I still don't quite understand it, but I think it's just this, unwavering acceptance of another being especially yeah. for men because we, we just both said we're kind of learning to be vulnerable with the women in our, yeah. our lives and because of their encouragement but like to sit with another man who's never been told like it's okay to cry or that's not your fault or like you are good enough or you're not a failure it just it's like taking off like a lead jacket from someone and you see them walking out and they're they are lighter and we we use a, an analogy that it's uh just and he's got a few great ones so do you even i'm like god i think i'm not getting my money's worth 
He's like, think of carrying a load of bricks on your back and each one of those bricks is a problem. And it's funny that when I go to him or when I started going to him, he used that one and I loved it. And I was like, it's like you can actually feel or you can see your body going down. And yeah, it's amazing. And an analogy I suppose that I use is dangerous when focused. Mm. And what it means to me in this whole podcast is basically based off uh i don't know what you call it is it an analogy it's my tagline or it's something that's very powerful mm-hmm. and what it means to me is that when i'm in a the right flow state or in the correct folk mode of focus i feel like i'm very dangerous and i can just get shit done and i'm fucking the best version of me that i can be and it's something i'd love to ask is what does it mean to you if anything comes to mind mm. and if when you say dangerous when focused like to me i just want to like listen to rocky eye of the tiger <laughs> and fucking get shit done and um, but what would you uh, what is your dangerous when focused i suppose yeah so what comes to mind when you say is if i can push through like the fear and self-doubt and self-deprecation of attempting a new thing okay and really try it and give myself the belief that it's achievable then i can do it because there's okay. multiple times in life where I've looked at something, even particularly the start of this train and been like, Jesus, I don't know if I'll ever do this. And I remember just thinking like, but what if I just turn up and do the work and go day by day? And then I look back and I'm like, Jesus, I've just finished. I'm waiting on like my final results. They should have been out last week, but still waiting. But um, yeah, it's, it means if I can push myself and believe I can do anything. And I mean anything like. Nice. Yeah, lit- yeah literally like dream, yeah well that's amazing that's more than what i thought we could ask so like Mm. thank you very much i think yeah no problem yeah it's nice to kind of end i think on this um it's it's been amazing it's had a few glitches for me so thank (laughs) you you've been more than i thought i'd be way more nervous very well sean thank you very i thought i'd be way more nervous uh with a professional in front of me (laughs) but i suppose i'm trying to be professional in some ways uh thank you very much uh and we'll pass on all steven's details and all the links below. Thank you very much. Cheers for the invite to the show.